Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the Lions.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we are looking at a Friday night slate here that's pretty full. Nate, we're going to finish off this opening week in the NBA. In this one, we are talking about the Hornets and the Pelicans here uh, in Charlotte. We've got a pretty nice game set up here with a lot of offense, I'm pretty sure. Do you want to make sure you're liked and subscribed to that page? Got a couple other videos up for you today, including that player props video. We're bringing you each and every weekday this regular season. Also, want you to head to the Lions.com. Com, have all of our great written content up there for you guys all season and our great odds finder tool on there to make sure you guys are shopping those lines to the best of your ability across U.S. Sportsbook this NBA season. Nate, let's go ahead and get into that full schedule we have for tonight's Friday night slate in the NBA. Yeah, it starts with that game we're, we're leading off with here. Pelicans are minus seven at the Hornets. Total is 228 and a half as we speak. Then we got Spurs plus two at the Pacers, 232 total. We're also going to talk about that game in another video. Bulls are plus two at the Wiz. Magic plus nine at the Hawks. Pistons plus seven at your Knicks. The Celtics minus three now at the Heat, gaining a little steam. Raptors plus three at the Nets, despite Brooklyn's uh, feeble performance in their opener. Jazz plus eight at Wolves. Memphis is minus seven at Houston. The Nuggets... Plus four and a half at the Warriors and then the Suns minus five at the Blazers. So, yeah, I'm starting with this game, the Pelicans Hornets, because it to me, it's pretty simple. As long as Zion's on the floor, the Pelicans are going to be extremely efficient on offense and they should especially be efficient in in this matchup against Charlotte, who we know just doesn't defend, um, allowed 115 points per game last year, allowed 49 points per game in the paint last year. Zion's only faced them once in his career, uh, and it was a 118-110 game, which would put you right at this total right now. But here's the thing with the Hornets. LaMelo came off the bench in that game. That was January of last season, uh, two seasons ago, in fact. So LaMelo's a rookie. They played at a pace of just 94 in that game. The next two meetings, 104.5, 101 pace. Uh, we know with the... What the Pels do when they get Zion out there, they play at a 101 pace. They score 116 and a half offensive rating of 115 in their opener this year, 130 on the nets with a 126 offensive rating, 62 paint points, 31 assists. And the point is like they could have had more if the nets were coming along. And for some, you know, the obviously the awkward reasons of Ben Simmons and Kyrie's head headspace, the Nets were not able to come along. But Charlotte was impressive on offense in their opener. I mean, certainly benefiting from facing the Spurs, who, you know, might be the worst team in the league. But um, a 124 offensive rating, 129 points, shooting 44 percent from three is unsustainable. But playing at a pace of 104 is sustainable. And so that's really what we're targeting here is pace and space. The total actually bet down a point since I started looking at this. I was going to suggest some alternative overs of 232 maybe, get plus 130 on that. Uh, because, I mean, yeah, even when the Hornets went under last year, like three of their last four, the totals were still 229, 232, and 235, going one point under their ridiculously high totals. I think they will continue to be a sieve defensively and and score in bucket and in, in droves here early in the season yeah man i mean the the pellies are going to be fun i mean they have to be up there in, in the top 
lead pass rankings, right? They're just going to be pace and space. Uh, you've got one of the most versatile, massive athletic people that's ever played the game on one side of the ball with a bunch of skilled guys. Now that, you know, BI and, and CJ McCollum, it's like two guys that are just so perfect to play off of Zion. Uh, and that already sort of seemed to, to be the, in, the indication in game one, uh, season that we're going to see that. And, and look, I don't expect Brooklyn's defense to get that much better this season than it was in that first game, to be honest with you. I mean, 130 points is not going to be given up to everybody. It's just New Orleans is often is going to be that efficient this season. Um, I think that they're, you know, they're one of the teams up there with uh, likelihood to, to score the most points uh, this season, right? Uh, right next to the, uh, to the Timberwolves who, uh, as we know, play the similar type of space and pace and space as well. Um, I, I do like your alternate overs. I do like Nola to win this game. Um, you know, seven points doesn't really scare me in a Charlotte team that I think we expect to be very, very, very bad this season um, and definitely very, very bad on offense. And that's where, that's where we start and end this conversation with this game is just um, pace and up, three-point shooting uh specifically the lack of defense uh on the three-point on the, the perimeter uh for both of these teams who ended last season uh, i believe third worst and sixth worst in terms of their opponents three-point percentage uh and three-pointers made um just giving up a ton of stuff on the wings there without much you know without much uh resistance now you talk about charlotte not even having mikhail bridges or excuse me uh miles bridges there on the wing um and uh, you know that that obviously just worsens that that d uh gordon hayward another guy on, on the the hornets who you're looking at to, to potentially step up and be able to uh handle some of that you know the, the the wing defense issues that they have and maybe clean some of it up uh what already really wasn't the case uh in game one for them although they obviously had that that big shootout so i think it's it's really simple here you just keep it you, you don't really try to overthink this one if you want to incorporate a money line bet in there fine I, I don't love minus seven nearly as much as i love over 229 and a half and to your point why not go 235 232 and a half get a bunch more juice on your you know on that bet there uh when in in, in reality this one is just going to be continue to be a lack of defense sometimes Sometimes I get a little bit nervous um, and it's the beginning of the season, which kind of, you know, quells that for me in terms of that, that anxiety about, oh, uh, you know, two teams coming out with these expectations that they're going to score 250 points. And then all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we see a first quarter that ends at a total of like, you know, 52, 53, and you're kind of worried, but it's like, I'm still not, cause there's still 70 point quarters that are super possible in this game. Uh, as we saw when they matched up last year without Zion as well. So um, really looking forward to actually to, to uh, you know, watching this game and, and just seeing a ton of offense on lead pass tonight. And then likelihood that the, the, the Pellies pull this one out. I think they're just going to be a very, very, very good team this season and Charlotte's going to be at the bottom of the East. The the, the, the Pellies are going to be in the middle of the West. So it's just, it's a big lopsided matchup here. Yeah. I mean, I probably should have led in that opener talking about LaMelo is actually going to be out again here. Uh, he's going to miss the first few games with a rolled ankle, but I mean, the Hornets clearly continued to push the pace without him. Um, Terry Rogier, Gordon Hayward, very efficient offensively. And that's what we've seen across the league is this kind of like, I mean, doubt us and we'll come out and win these October games that no one's expecting or at least compete is what you're looking for here. If you want the over, I mean, yeah, we saw the Jazz freaking beat the Nuggets on opening night. We saw other teams uh, exceed expectations early on. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you're not comfortable back in the Hornets lineup uh, offense there because LaMelo's out, that's fair. I think you look at the Pelicans team total in that sense. But I think they're the ones who are going to drag you to this over. Uh, we're going to score somewhere between 115 and 125, maybe even more if the pace stays up where it is. Look, they went 16 and 7 to the over when listed as a road favorite since 2020. Uh, not a huge over team last year because, of course, no Zion. But, I mean, in this matchup, yeah, I mean, who's going to slow him down? P.J. Washington will give it a shot. 
But it's if and if it's not Zion, like you said, like perfect fits alongside him with Bi with CJ, and you know hopefully the Hornets just come along for the ride at home. Yeah, I think what we're saying here is we expect the Pellies to score one twenty five to one thirty. So we're really not worried about what happens after that with the Hornets. I know their offense is not quite as good, um, obviously, when you have LaBello Ball in there, which they will not for a bit. But, you know, other guys do step up. They have some really nice numbers for Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward in those games where LaMelo doesn't play. Right. You obviously get a bunch more points from from uh, Gordon. Um, you get a, a few more shot attempts from Terry. Not that really anybody's cutting into scary Terry's uh, t- opportunity to eat and get shots up. But even with LaMelo out, obviously, even scary Terry's uh, usage rate goes up a bit. So um, I think there there is obviously some ways to attack the you know those guys' uh, props here. Um, you still have uh, I believe Gordon Hayward at about sixteen and a half points. You know he just came off a twenty point performance. Obviously you're always wondering how he's going to come back. Which Gordon Hayward are we getting at this point? Uh, we're getting one with a terrible haircut to start the season, but regardless of that, at least he's healthy finally uh, to open a season for the first time and should be playing a few more games for them. So uh, I do like that those guys' ability to get some points up tonight uh, at twenty one and a half for Terry, sixteen and a half for Gordon. I'll probably go ahead and hit that Gordon one as well. Uh, to sprinkle a little bit on Terry there. In this one, we are taking a look at probably the worst team in basketball, the Spurs, taking on the Pacers, who looked okay in that first game uh, for them as well, even though they did lose that one. Uh, do make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along with us. We are bringing you these videos each and every weekday, a couple game videos, as well as that player props video that we are continuing to stay hot on this season after a really nice season last season. Also, want you to head to thelines.com. Have all of our great content on there for you guys all season long and our great odds finder tool. You can go ahead and make sure you're shopping those lines to the best of your ability, including, uh, you know, those NBA player props across U.S. sports books that I know Nate and I are using each and every day that we're picking these player props for you in that video we have for you today. Nate, let's go ahead and get into this full slate of games for Friday night tonight. Yeah, the other game we break down leads it off. Pelicans minus seven at Hornets. Totals at 228 there. Looking at the over, despite the fact LaMelo is expected to be out. Uh, the Spurs, as we talked about here, plus two on the road at Indiana, totals 232. We'll get into that game in a minute. Bulls are plus two at Washington. Magic plus nine at Atlanta. The Pistons plus seven at the Knickerbockers. The Celtics minus two or three at the Heat. That's fluctuating a bit. Raptors plus three at the Nets. The Jazz plus eight at Wolves. Grizz minus seven at Rockets. Nuggets are plus five at the Warriors, and the Blazers are plus five at home against the Suns, who had to crawl back to avoid losing to the Mavs again there in their opener. But yeah, we're looking at the simple answer here, and it's find the worst team and see if the spread is manageable. And it is. It's now down to minus two for the Pacers at home against the Spurs team that was not particularly good on the road last year. And really depended on DeJounte Murray to do everything, especially on the road. He had a personal 115 offensive rating. And the Spurs as a team dropped from 114 to 111 in terms of their offensive efficiency on the road. Certainly looked like the worst team um, in the league last night. I mean, I think Popovich got out on his opening presser and just straight up told people, yeah, I mean, you you shouldn't bet on this team to win the championship, which is as much of an admission as anything that like, we're playing for experience. I'm not going to say the word tanking, but we don't really care if we win these games. Maybe we'll get a better chance at uh, coaching Victor Wembanyama next year. <clears throat> so, I mean, the Pacers are at least going to give their guys a fair shake. They at least have a relatively balanced roster. <clears throat> I don't know if Miles Turner is going to be on ice until he's traded, but 
That's that's the biggest concern for me is they're rebounding. But I think we we'll, we could see more Isaiah Jackson tonight alongside Jalen Smith uh, to help shore that up as they face a bigger Spurs team that doesn't really crash the glass, but is is solid uh, in the rebounding department. The Pacers are, I mean, their offense is going to be good with Halliburton. Since they got him, they have a 124 offensive rating their last 20 games or so. And they opened up looking looking pretty sharp against the Wizards, like you said. Um, Halliburton, 26 points. The Rook, Benny Matherin, 19 points. Three for seven from deep off the bench. Um, they had 15 threes in their opener. And... When they, they've won four of their last five against the Spurs, hitting about 13 and a half threes in those. Spurs will have the Hornets to shoot 44% from three in their opener. So, I mean, you look at a Pacers team that that has advantages to press on the offensive end here. And I just don't know where the Spurs are going to generate any offense. Kelton Johnson just kind of bowling his way to the rim. It, it's, it's really a far cry from the Spurs of old with the beautiful ball movement or anything. Like, there's just... There's nothing going on here that really scares you. Um, even against a Pacers team that's that was pretty damn bad at defense, I think they'll be able to hold their own at home against the Spurs roster. Yeah, man, uh, it's it's gonna be a long season in uh, San Antonio if you're expecting to win. Which, as you said, Pop is making clear. Uh, let me reset those expectations for you guys. If you think that we're gonna be making any kind of run toward a playoff spot. I, I took under 23 and a half wins for this team this season, just looking at, how, you know, you have to pick some people to go on some teams to go under. And even though 23 and a half games is like, come on, you got to be able to pull out 24 wins in a 80, you know, 82 game season. If you're an NBA team, this roster is just really, really, really bad. And we saw exactly what, you know, it can and really more like we can't do, um, you know, against the Charlotte team in, in game one there that you're like, come on, man. I mean, you know, Mason Plumlee's he's been there forever and you've got Kelly Oubre on the wing still just sort of playing turnstile defense. Um, you've got to be able to score, but it, it, you know, this, this, like I said, this roster, especially, you know, after even you could say Keldon Johnson and Jakob Pertle, even, uh, Devin Vassell, those are guys, uh, even Josh Primo, those are guys that can contribute, uh, in a, in, in a top eight of a lineup, you know, of, of a rotation in the NBA, that's true, but they would all be six, seven, eight at best on, on decent playoff teams at best is, is kind of my point. So, um, I, I, like you said, I don't really know what to talk about with this team in a way that I, I say they do anything well, uh, right now. And, and um, it's only been one game, but, um, a 97 offensive rating with sub 44% effective field goal is like, just for the record, nobody had a 45% effective field goal, uh, percentage to end season last year. Uh, it's just, it's very, very hard to be that bad, um, on offense. So, um, I, I think we're talking about when these teams start to get traded minus three for the Pacers. It's a bit of a spit in the face to the Pacers. I think, um, if you watch the, the, the episode about our futures and team wins, Mo and I both like the Pacers to compete. We don't think that that's really an organization that's going to just like try to tank too hard. I mean, at this point you've got, you know, some 24 year old rooks or, or youngsters and Chris Duarte came in as a, as an old rook. And now you've got Benny Matz, who's also already, you know, basically a seasoned vet the way that he comes in. And, and like you, we were talking about that body type is already NBA ready. Um, and, and three for seven from, from deep showed that, uh, that, you know, he's, he's not worried about, uh, the, obviously the expanded perimeter out there from college. So I think he's going to come in and fit really, really well. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, showed it already, you know, that his scoring is something that I think he's going to up. And that's, I think really what some people were probably, and I'll just speak for myself, what I would be worried, 
would have been worried about with him um, coming into the season is like, are you going to just take on a scoring load here, my man, and, and like really own being the best player on this team? I think you saw with the usage rate that he put up and the fact that he put up all those shots and got that 20, those 26 that he, that he opened up the season with on 18 shots, 55%. I really, really like that for Tyrese, who's being, who's, who's got, I think he's going to be that efficient all season long. Uh, and I was one pick away from getting him in my fantasy draft because I knew he was just going to pass stats all season on a team that maybe it'll come close to winning 28 games, but it's definitely better, uh, a lot better than this Spurs team. That's going to find it hard to win 20 games this season. Yeah. And that 45% sub effective field goal percentage came against the freaking Hornets who we, yeah, we talk about as one of the worst defensive teams out there. So the Pacers also down there, but really thematically, this is more in my mind about the, the, the East being top to bottom better than the West now. And you look at these, these are bottom four teams in both conferences, but the Pacers seem much more competent. Um, and even last year that that was starting to happen. I was on that pulpit, the, the Spurs went 10 and 20 straight up against the East. They went 12 and 19 against the spread. They went 15 and 39 straight up as underdogs last year. Uh, they've now lost seven of their last nine against the Pacers, dating back a few seasons. Uh, I mentioned four of the last five there, giving up 120 points per game to those Pacers. And as you point out, yeah, they lost four of their last uh, 14, lost 10 of their last 14 without DeJounte. Very much, yeah, trying to sink to the bottom here, realizing that they kind of made the playing game against their will because DeJounte was so good uh, last year, and uh, they didn't they didn't really want that. They want they want the draft picks, and now they're making sh- damn sure that they're going to get them. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that's you had to get rid of DJ there. You had to get rid of DeJounte in order to be as bad as they are. And, and look, DeJounte is as advertised on the Spurs. He's the same player on a much better uh, Hawks team already. We saw game one, first, uh, first time ever that two teammates playing for the first time together, got 10 assists in a game between Trey uh, and DJ, DJM there, as we call him. Uh, so I, yeah, look, I also love 17 and a half points tonight for Tyrese uh, Halliburton, as we were saying, I think he's going to be a 20 to 22 a game night scorer. Uh, and, and that, that prop is going to quickly rise to 19 and a half to 20 and a half every single night, if not more, uh, as soon as people realize Tyrese is going to be putting up those points. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into our first prop of the day. We're going to have, just to be clear, as we kick things off to you guys, we're bringing you about four of these each day. Sometimes Nate feels a little bit better about a couple as well, and we'll get five or six in there for you. But we do have four good ones for you today, Nate. So let's kick off uh, your first prop here. <clears throat> yeah, I wish we had talked a little bit more about Jalen Brown in our preseason videos. I don't really know what the market is in terms of his Fair. awards though. I mean, maybe at third team all NBA, but I mean, he's on pace for just a monster season. And the one thing he had to work on that we could see in the playoffs was his handle. And he's clearly put in a lot of work on that. And he looks very, very good right now in the preseason, just blowing through defenses, 
dropped 35 alongside Tatum in the opener. Uh, and his prop is still pretty low at 23 and a half points plus money. I'm, I'm only counting on him to score. I think he still has a lot of room for growth as a playmaker. And the Celtics don't necessarily count on his rebounding as much, uh, which is strange. He is a good rebounder. But against the Heat, I mean, he has put up numbers across the board. But just looking at his scoring, his last seven regular season, 24.1 points per game, 45-42 splits on 29% usage. His last seven playoff games in that Eastern Conference Finals, 24.1 points per game, 49% from the floor, 40% from deep. Um, And the Heat are looking worse defensively, as you might expect, with Tyler Hero entering the starting lineup, with P.J. Tucker gone, with Kyle Lowry one step closer to retirement, and Max Struess forced to play 31 minutes to give them something on offense as well. you know, we saw DeMar DeRozan go off for 37 points on 14 to 22 field goal shooting. So both Jalen and Jason around 24 points in this matchup seems low. The total seems kind of low for this game in general, based on how efficient the Celtics were in their opener and how it looks like they're going to keep the pedal down. Now they can stagger Brogdon and Derek White and, and have some offensive flow at for, for an entire 48 minutes. And Joe Missoula I mean, at least through one game, showing that he knows how to coach guards. I mean, that that is what he does, and that's what he had been doing as an assistant. So Jalen's going to be aggressive for sure. He loves to set the tone in these types of games, um, and so I like I like his scoring here, and I think we like the Celtics at a at a pretty modest spread if you can get that minus two. Yep, I do. I do like all of that. I think there's um, going to be a bit of a regression for the Heat, at least uh, against the expectations. I mean, they just came first to end the regular season last year. Uh, and I just, it's not going to be the case this year. Uh, in my opinion, they already lost to the bulls, a bulls team that I think we're also a little bit down on, but I definitely went under on Miami's, uh, totals there. Um, the defense, I think it should be fine, but I mean, PJ Tucker is gotta be somebody that you, you're going to feel the impact of him not being there anymore. Um, and one of the guys that is going to feel a positive impact without him, there is, is Jalen Brown on the other side, um, without somebody like that to deal with. So yeah, I, I think he's continuing to just, upwardly trend uh, on that trajectory of his and, and it's so is Tatum. So uh, maybe we should feel better about over on the wins for the, the Celtics than most people were feeling. If Joe Mazzula is not going to, um, you know, come in and be too much of a detriment uh, compared to, to uh, Udoka and how he was, I think they're totally fine this season. So I'm actually going to uh, segue directly into uh, something that I think is relevant here in the same game, Tyler hero. And I'm going to go under on Mr. Hero. I know he had a pretty nice first game there uh, entering the, the starting role Did get about 34, 30, five minutes in that game. And last year was averaging closer to about 30 to 32. So we'll see if entering that starting lineup really helps him uh, in terms of, you know, getting that usage rate up. But um, I, I'm still not really feeling great. I wouldn't feel great about him hitting his props against uh, against the Celtics uh, as he did not last year, 10 points, six boards, three assists, average those in three games versus them. So I'm thinking him under 20 points here, 19 and a half points is actually even money on DK. If you wanted to buy a point and get it at like minus 115 for him to go under 20.5, fine with that too if you wanted to add that to some stuff but I just feel really good about him going under as well I, I'm probably going to hit myself with the I'm going to hit the uh, under on the 
points, rebounds, and assists combined at 28 and a half. He had a few games against the Celtics last year with some nice like rebounding totals and such, but I think his his role in the offense is just so obvious at this point, which is like score, score, score. We didn't pick up another score in the offseason like is what our roster really needed to get over uh, any kind of hump from last season. I think they definitely needed one more score. Like Bam Adebayo cannot be your third scorer, essentially. Like he's okay as a center for, you know, on offense, but he's in there for to do other stuff. And 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 obviously if you if he's not gonna if you're top three players you know, one of them is Bam, who's more defensive minded. You need another sharp shooting score out there. And they, they just didn't get that. We'll see what the Buckets is able to do in, in this season as he continues to get older. But I just don't like the, the numbers for Hero and, and the expectations that are on him right now. 20 and a half PRA. He's, he's just not going to get all of those things against Boston, who was the best defensive, th- uh, the best three point D in the league last year, which is how we know that Miami needs to score scoring about, uh, you know, the fifth most percentage, fifth highest percentage of points off of three pointers last year was Miami and probably going to continue that year this year as well. So just got to go under for Tyler. Makes me a little nervous though. Um, You know, what you keep talking about is how defined his role is and how the heat don't have any other scorers. Well, it seems like he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And I know the Celtics have been disciplined against pick and roll, but James Harden got his in the pick and roll and he had the ball in his hands a lot in that opener I'm more personally trying to attack Hero's defense because he is a turnstile on that end, and that's why I like Jalen Brown. But I'm not I'm not willing to take the over on him either. I just say like, yeah, throw I would throw some caution on that one, um, and, and, and go sees for sure. But looking at Washington here and the Bulls, uh, I think Kyle Kuzma's a little undervalued here. The assumption might have been that his stats were inflated last year because Beal was out, Porzingis was out for a lot of the time. I mean, Porzingis isn't a guy that's going to command a lot of usage. Bradley Beal looks like he wants to kind of fit in rather than stand out as a superstar. Uh, after getting that supermax, he probably wants to bring his teammates up. And so enter Kuz as as a pretty high usage guy who's in that span since since we turned to 2022, averaging 21 points and nine rebounds per game on 28% usage. Started off the year nicely with 22 and 13 and his his points and rebounds is at 25 and a half uh, after going 35 in the opener his points at plus odds at 17 and a half I like that as well in two meetings against the Bulls uh, as a member of the Wizards he's averaging 25 points per game shooting 54 percent from the floor and averaging 13 boards per game Chicago looked a little better defensively here to open with Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso out there but This is still a team that really struggled to guard inside the arc last year, that really struggled rebounding down the stretch. And if DeRozan isn't cooking the way he was in the opener, uh, then there will be more rebounds to go around for this Washington team and and for Kuz to grab those as an athletic 6'10 guy who flies in from the wing to help down there. Yep. I mean, yes to everything Kuzma this season as well. Um, I mean, when there have been Brad Beal actually played last season, Kuzma was, you know, his, his, his second mate, you know, his running mate there. And, and he was great. Like you said, about 20 and nine or his averages for a, a big, strong guy who never gets credit for as being as good at rebounding as he is, which is probably why I was able to steal him in fantasy as well. Uh, but I, yeah, I love everything for Kuz whenever, especially when they're at that full strength and he's such an integral part of all of what they do um, in terms of getting out and running and being able to score on the wing and defend the wing like he does um yeah i think that especially you know kcp gone as well you're gonna see a lot more ops for him this season uh and he's gonna keep i think he's gonna keep delivering uh, and keep making the lakers miss him um let's finish things off here with a guy that uh you know we ben simmons 
I don't know. Is it fair to take an under on his points? He had six in the first uh, game, but he had three shot attempts. Um, and I think that's why we are also looking at, um, you know, if he's still not willing to put the ball up in any capacity, then I'm going to go ahead and feel good about under totals for him on his points. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to really use recent history uh, for, for Mr. Simmons, you know, as, as really fuel to, for why I would make this bet um, just because, you know, it's, it's been basically two seasons since we've really seen him on the floor playing and we've never seen him in this environment without play, you know, basically just not playing next to Joel Embiid or, and, and the slew of uh, the cast in Philly as he was for so long. So um, a ten, nine and a half points minus 125 on DK. Uh, I know you've also mentioned minus 425 for him to not have a double-double and you almost feel better about him not having a double-double because he's not going to get 10 points over any of the other stats there. So I'll go with the points there. Minus 125 on DK, obviously it's indicating it's a pretty uh, likely bet here at at under 10 points for, for Mr. Simmons. Yeah, he had four points in his debut, excuse you, and six fouls. That's that's ah, where he got the me. six number. Uh, <laughs> Apologies. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at some point he'll regain his rhythm. It doesn't seem like it'll happen in this matchup, though, against Toronto's uber-sized wings that they're not going to let him just walk into the paint. They're not going to somebody who you literally don't have to worry about on the perimeter uh, than trying to knife through a bunch of lengthy guys uh, and, and, and get his buckets in the paint. It definitely seems unlikely. That's why it's at minus 125. That's why FanDuel's giving you closer to even odds for him to go under eight and a half points. So, uh, yeah, I think worth hitting his under at least one more time here until we see Mr. Simmons be willing to play offense. Absolutely. And that is all the time we have for you guys. And this one, don't want to drag out the Ben Simmons slander here too long. So I'll go ahead and just end the show with that. Definitely want to make sure you're liked and subscribed to the page. Continue to follow along with us, bringing you these player props, looking to stay hot on them each and every weekday. So until we see you next, happy betting. Happy betting.